0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey we're George and James and we're getting pretentious with Kuanuka by Michael Kuanuka. Right, George? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Sir? I'm alright. I'm alright. Uh, it's been a Well, it
1: won't have been a while for the, the listeners. But it's been a little while been for us. it's been a
0: little while for us
1: um, since we did this one, uh, since we've done a podcast. Um, it's always nice to be chatting to you, George. Yes, so. Um, what have you been uh, listening to, watching recently?
0: So I think the key standout thing I've listened to is Hayley Williams' new project. Ah, which you just played me before we... Yeah, Simmer. Oh, who would have thought? What a sneaky little treat from our old pals, Paramore. Like, I never thought 20-year-old me would, in my 20s, be listening to Paramore.
1: Well, I've never really liked Paramore.
0: I liked Paramore for a year and then I grew up and stopped liking <laughs> Paramore. <laughs> so it's quite interesting hearing
1: Hayley Will- And you were like, oh, I'm going to show you this music video by Hayley Williams. And I was like, oh dear. Oh God. What are we doing? And it
0: turns out... She's done a film, basically.
1: Well, she's done yeah. She's basically done a film because each music video follows on to the next one, which is, which is great. It's just a nice little
0: surprise. A nice little treat. Um, But the music. Good. It's really good. It's really, it's very stripped back. It's got, I mean, I compared it to Masters of France, which isn't someone that came to your mind. No. and someone that people would only know from an Ikea advert. Yes. But they actually had a really good song called Mad Hatter. And if you listen to that, it's it's a similar vibe, that kind of clunky bass. Yeah. Very spacey, a little bit math rock. Vibes, kind of foals, yeah, early see,
1: There, There's some definite foals sort of guitars in the uh, in some of it, sort of just but in that sort of like you said, sort of math rocky, sort of rhythmic,
0: yeah. almost
1: um, not very harmonic. Percussive.
0: It's more layers of monophonic instruments making yeah. the harmony rather than just chords. It's a very bass and drums driven, but not in a Pop bass and drums. Yeah, in an indie bass and drums vibe.
1: Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's uh unexpected treat. I think. Yeah. Um, interested to um, hearing what part two. Yeah, because she's EP done so. the free
0: music videos, which is simmer something else, and then caramel.
1: Is it it's cinnamon?
0: Cinnamon, not caramel. One of the sea-based, sea-based <laughs> flavors. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm interested. There's another two tracks on the EP that she hasn't done videos for, so I'm interested to see how those come out. Because yes. it's, not, it's not necessarily... Or well, whether mean, she does them. Yeah, she better do. You don't do the first three songs and then not. You like, would have thought you would do all five, right? Don't do a Foles on us.
1: Is don't it? like give us the <laughs> best
0: music video of the year and then give us a tour video. as
1: yeah. your live video. We'll get to Foles at some point. And yeah. That,
0: that... We'll tear that apart yeah i mean we we love it we love Foles, but they we have issues um <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure we've both you've already seen them twice on for these two albums haven't you uh yeah but it's the first time i'd ever seen them ah yeah you see i've i've also got my second ticket booked for them at olympia yeah i'm seeing them at olympia so we do still like them we, yep. We're still spending we're seeing money. I've seen them about them. three times. Between the, fr- the two of us, we have bought five tickets. Yes. That's a nice motorbike sound for you all there. Yeah. Uh, I live on a very busy road. So, yeah. So, until Can't we can make that. enough money from this and get a studio, we won't. Uh, you, you, there'll be street noise. <laughs> yeah. So, tell your friends about the podcast. Um,
1: uh, the other interesting thing that uh, came up recently which another surprise was the new Strokes track.
0: Oh yes, you showed that to me <sighs> literally uh, an hour ago. It escapes
1: and me right now.
0: Up so I mean, that video. Well, I mean, I think... What's the name of the song? The name of the song is At The Door. Which is, in a way, that's quite a nice single to come out with. At The Door. Like, for a band that's not released an album for seven years, they had that EP, like, Day, Present, Past, whatever it was called. Like, we, I try and, personally, I try and ignore it. I don't think I've ever listened to it. James is making sure that his screen doesn't turn off. But the Strokes track, very different. At the Door, yeah. Like, coming back from a seven-year silence, minus the uh, questionable EP they did.
1: What was that EP like then? Why is that questionable?
0: I haven't heard it, so... So it's three songs. An EP call is called Past, Present, Future. And I think they kind of did it as a... Something that they would have written from like their first album. Right. In that style. Something that kind of sounded like it, it was off Come, Around, uh, Come Down Machine. And then a third track that was like The Future of Strokes. And now we've heard At The Door, it it was not a good prediction of their own selves.
1: Oh, really? So it's not anything like... It just sounded
0: like a slightly glossier version of Strokes. Fine. But yeah, this new song is quite... I like the idea of them being at the door, like, oh, we're coming back. Yeah. We're coming in, knocking at the door.
1: And the video is, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's very, it's sort of reminiscent of, the, he-man the, yeah 80s cartoons like <laughs> he-man and um it's like it's got very old classic
0: s- animation style old school layered animation style
1: um and the, they must have had a well you see in the credits the, the team of people they had working on it not as big as the team of people oh. that worked on the new Dua Lipa video
0: George yeah now you see Dua Lipa I just watched Oh, uh, not watched I just listened to a really good podcast by Switched On Pop, I think it's called, by the guys over at Vox, about, is it Don't Start Now? Yeah. Yeah. Good song. Solid song. And they go really in-depth to all of the really clever disco references. And, like, what a good song.
1: Don't Start Now is Dua Leapers' best song.
0: I would argue that it was probably the best pop song of the two thousand, one One of the best pop songs of the 2019s.
1: Whoa. It's a bold claim. It was... It's, it was good. It is good
0: song. And it's a really nice historical hat tip to such a great period of disco from, like, kind of 70s to 80s.
1: But the video, even the video for that was sort of disappointing.
0: Yeah. Um, but
1: the video for... The new song, oh. which is physical,
0: gonna get physical, physical, physical. Oh yeah, i just realised that. Yeah, I know. It's I a, hadn't even thought that. It's a bad song. It's a bad song. It's a bad song title, and it's a bad video. And the credits are, are like massive. five or six pages longs of endless names for a video that is basically a, a glorified S Club Seven fun. <laughs> I like I adore Julia Lipa and her stuff but good god like compared to a video like Electricity where it's just her dancing around a room and and the lyric video Future Nostalgia which we both rate quite highly as a lyric video well very high it's a great lyric video
1: yeah and it actually improved the song for me yeah because I didn't really like that song until I saw that video and it, it made the vi- I think some I think sometimes music videos can make a song that's not quite working for you suddenly make sense if you put it in the right context in a music video. Yeah. Um, like, I wonder, going back to the Haley Williams thing, would I have necessarily enjoyed it as much if I hadn't have seen those videos as my way into the music?
0: Um, I definitely... I think she's done it the right way is that Simmer... Great single. You hear that on the radio. If I heard that on the radio, I'd be listening to it. Sure. The rest of the EP, I've been struggling to get into a little bit until now I've watched the videos. And because the videos follow on...
1: It's it's, made you want to listen to them. Yeah,
0: and now I will go home and listen to those, the whole EP, with such more, uh, like, a lot more excitement. So I think, like, a music video
1: can really provide you context to a song that wasn't maybe there when you first listened to it and make you enjoy it. Similarly, though, I think a bad music video for me can really sort of turn me off a song our, I can't listen to the New Jewelipers song now. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a fantastic song anyway. No. I don't think it's a very good song. But well, it, the it's, video is, it, oh. it says
0: it all when we were in rehearsal t- the other day and our singer was, had put it on... And I didn't realise what it was. I thought she had just put on, like, a vocal training exercise, like a (laughs) warm-up exercise. Genuinely, I was like, can't you turn this off? Like, I'm not in the mood to listen to your vocal warm-up exercises. Little do I know it's Dua Lipa's latest single. Yeah. It sounds like something that would have been released in the early noughties by Kylie as a B-side to a single that you would hear in a gym...
1: And I think that's a bit unfair to Kylie.
0: A little bit. But Kylie did release some bad B-sides. Or maybe Madonna. To be fair, I know was... there's probably... A, I think, cause Kylie's released a lot of records. She is, she's like the kind of David Bowie of modern pop music. Oh, that's a statement. Well, let's be honest, David Bowie stopped being... Oh, good. Actually,
1: yeah. He stopped being. There's a whole period of Bowie actually where even the hardcore Bowie fans will admit that he went off the boil. The nineties. There was an album
0: he did, I think, in the nineties that was all kind of drum and bassy techno, and that was a that was a venture. <laughs> that was, to say the least. Um. So. Oh, actually, talking about music videos, Michael Kiwanuku's Yes. Music videos. Now, we first listened to the You Ain't The Problem. We watched the, yeah, that that music video. That was so just... It was him in a field. That was a label being like, you need to do a music video for this song. It's a single. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: And actually, I'm not even sure it should
0: be a single. Really? Yeah. I think it's such a good song. Oh, it's a good song. And it's a banger. It is a it a single? Like, I suppose. It the problem. I don't know. Uh, I could, uh, yeah, I it suppose. It really gets in your head. It's probably my least favourite song on the record, though. It's it's a single. Sure. Which is why it's good it's at the start. Because after you've got that song out the way, that's like, that's the bait. Once you've got that out of the way, it's then all right. Now here's just an epic album. Yeah, that is definitely that was like a song. I can imagine he came into the studio with, or like the label heard and were like, "This is going to be the next single. This is fantastic" because it is super catchy. Yeah, and in the meantime, that he's kind of thinking, "Yeah, but I've got this awesome f- whole album." that he's going to blow everyone's socks off, and the label are like, yeah, but you're releasing that as a single. And he's like, all right then.
1: Because then we watched the video for Hero. Ooh, yeah.
0: Which was good. Yeah. Was I mean, there were bits one.
1: that we weren't happy with. There were bits mm. that we didn't sort of, we didn't feel like it was sort of cut in the right way for us. But
0: in terms of the idea of it, it was quite it nice. It actually had a story. Yeah. Which is quite a relief these days when it comes to music videos me
1: and george so anyone who doesn't know me and george are a a kind of music video snobs so snobby when it comes to music videos (laughs) we we like our music videos to basically be short films
0: yeah pretty much we
1: don't we don't want to see
0: lip syncing people
1: singing yeah lip syncing um Unless, well... And there is a bit of that in the hero video, but they do it quite well because they have him on a
0: television screen... Doing a performance. Doing a performance, which is... And it can you can get... There's a a neat way around it. I will list off a few ones for me that get away with it. That's Earthquake by Tyler, the creator. Yeah. Gets away with it in that. Also, if it's, like you said, if it's on a screen or like Mark Ronson's video with Licky Lee, that works because it's all kind of the whole video is that and she's singing it as the character okay she is the character it's not Licky Lee Is the character saying the words like it's a, mon- a monologue that works what I don't want to see to be fair Billie Eilish gets away with it yeah because she's the character that works when, when it's almost when it's almost just an actor having a monologue but the mon- monologue just so happens to be the lyrics That works. But there's a fine line between that and just getting the artist to sing the words because then people can relate, which just doesn't make sense to me. Well, because when I think of lip-syncing a music video, I think of
1: Chris Martin from Coldplay walking down the street in a coat. Yeah. Singing. Or like that
0: horrible Velvet Underground video where he's just... Is that Velvet Underground? No, that's the Verve. The verb. First Week Symphony, but he yeah. doesn't sing in that, does he? Yeah, he does. He's lip syncing while he's walking down at points. Oh. I thought, no, doesn't he just walk? Isn't the whole thing him just walking? I swear he lip syncs at points, but I tell you what, does. I mean, that's an iconic
1: video. You can't slag off. I don't like it. Don't rate it. Hang
0: on. I'm going to check because I don't think he does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does, actually. turning off the uh, audio so we don't get copyright. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean... I know he does. He He does. I told you he lip syncs. Do you still think that video is as good now? Um,
1: Well, I mean, I don't... See, I don't know if, to be fair, I don't know if I ever loved
0: it, but it's a sort of iconic music video like thinking about that music video why isn't it a one shot yeah there is too much editing in it i actually there's so much pointless editing in it like if you actually it's a good video because of the age we were when it came out and it was on mtv heydays actually i to be fair i thought it was one shot no like in my head i know It's the classic old man walking down the street, stuff bumping into him, it's all choreographed. No, it's actually just a really lazy music video. I thought it was all one shot,
1: (laughs) which is why I I... thought
0: it was much better than it was. Sorry I've broken your dreams of making a Verve music video. It's also bad, right? So The colour grading's awful as well. No, it's also bad that this is on
1: the Verve's official YouTube channel. Yeah. Right? And the description says, check out the official music video for Better Sweet Symphony by The Verve. What? It says Better Sweet Symphony rather than Bitter Sweet Symphony in the description. Now, that's obviously a typo, right? But, oh, like, wow.
0: how are you doing that? It's because The Verve have probably lost money for the label due to the lawsuits on that song. Yeah, they made no money off that. Yeah.
1: I think they do now, though. I think um, Keith Richards actually gave them back the rights
0: for it. Yeah, because he was like, nobody's listening point. to this song anymore, other than to quote oh, it. Oh, it. Get, it gets played on the things all yeah, the time. i tell you another bad music video for lip-syncing. This script, The Man Who Can't Be Moved. I mean, I've never watched it because I never liked script. <laughs> so I'm, ne- I'm not... Please put on the video, like... Anyone out there who hasn't watched it, give it a watch, and just remind yourself that you can do whatever you want <laughs> and succeed. Um, I, again, I'm putting it on now with, with
1: no audio, which is probably better. Uh, if you know, if you oh, listen I to mean, the it's scripts. not a bad track. Didn't he become a, a judge on The Voice? Yeah. yeah. Are they in New York?
0: That looks like New York. They might as well have put him on a green screen, mate. He's singing
1: at an old man. Now he's walking down the street. This is a bit vervy.
0: Oh yeah, they've watched Bittersweet Symphony. Well, he's the man that can't be moved, but but he's moving. You, no, but you haven't got <laughs> to the point where he can't be moved yet. Like okay. fast forward a little bit. And he's sat on a bench. Oh now he's in a
1: no, now he's in a warehouse playing oh, with his friends.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, you gotta have and that And there's lots overblown. of lens flares. Yeah.
1: Lots of lens flares. And now he is sat down.
0: He sat down on the corner because he's the man that can't be moved. And he's even not gonna move now. Oh and like oh, don't you miss the days of like old school plugs, like sits down? And, and he puts his watch on the floor. Oh, what's that? What's that? Oh, yeah. is that a nice little plug of some watch band? Love it. And now... And I think there's some fake rain at some point, which is stunning. The lens flare's already bothering me. Oh, mate, the lens flare is so overboard. There's like a TV graphics at some point. That's, yeah. that's not good. It's camera crews and everything.
1: I feel like what they've done here is they've watched the music video... For just by Radiohead, and gone. Well, we can't do that, but we could do something similar. I mean, this is a this is a pretty
0: like pretty great music video. You see, automatically, I'm I'm looking at that and I'm like, it's got a Reservoir Dogs vibe with the quality of the filming.
1: Yeah. So basically, the the plot of this music video is he lies down, and he won't move. Yeah and he won't explain why and you get dialogue but through subtitles
0: Mm. between characters it's really well done and rather than having proper like they're performing and lip syncing which is a little bit better I still don't like it that much no but I
1: feel like that was definitely a a record company requirement that they have them Um, playing
0: but that's a I feel like they've seen that and then and yeah it's definitely a, I don't think the script had much because
1: you know you have loads of people gathering around and yeah it's like the script video
0: it's exactly like the script the whole script get your sh- get your shit together
1: um
0: actually don't get your shit together you're done you're done <laughs> sorry guys I
1: reckon the script will come back
0: no they've tried they released an album last year and the year before did they yeah. The
1: They've got like
0: six or seven albums out now, mate. They're big timers. Oh, Sunsets and Full Moons. November, tw- November 2019. Told you. It's very recent. That's a horrible artwork. Oh, the artwork is out of this world bad. They're one of those bands where you almost can't believe that they actually live on the same planet. If you get me. Explain. It's a bit like Coldplay. Sometimes I struggle to imagine Coldplay being on. Like what goes through their heads? Yeah, like. Also, if you bumped into them.
1: You know what that script, that script, our uh, artwork looks like the front cover of a romance. Of book. Well, I was going to say a romance novel for teenage girls. Yeah. But it could be an erotica With mild book. erotica. Yeah, with like, erotica for 50 teenage Shades girls. Fifty Shades of Girls. Fifty and Shades 50, of Girls.
0: Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, for young girls. Um, so, Kiwanuka. <laughs> yeah. Less of the script, more of Michael Kiwanuka. Kiwanuka. What an album. Like, one of the best album albums I've heard in a while. Other than... What we've already talked about with the nineteen seventy five. Um, so, I think a good place to start is: Have you
1: had you really listened to Michael Kiwanuka before? No, no, neither had I. Never. He'd sort of passed me by completely.
0: That this is something that shocked me with my research into him is the, the sheer volume of people he's worked with mm. and awards that he's got, like either been nominated for or won. He's got three albums, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, and the second one was nominated for a Mercury. Yeah. This one, I imagine, will be nominated for a Mercury. I wouldn't even be surprised if this won a Mercury, to be honest. Um, It would be nice to see it win a Mercury. I think it will. I don't know how how it, how it won't. Um, but
0: 1975 are going to be releasing another album.
1: Do you feel like with the nineteen seventy five that they'll actually ever win a Mercury, or they'll just sort of be one of those work bands that just get nominated and just like always are nearly there? I think it'll be better if they don't. I wonder what it will be. I, I,
0: because I, I genuinely think it's ruined Leonardo DiCaprio a little bit now. He's the now that he's won an Oscar. <laughs> like it always felt like he was striving for an Oscar and like pushing himself beyond what you thought he could act in and now it's kind of like oh I've got my Oscar I'm going to focus on the whole climate stuff now there was an interesting thing when Matt Damon because Matt Damon won his Oscar
1: very young yeah him and Ben Affleck won it Mm. obviously Um, and there's an interesting interview where he says hold on what did Ben Affleck
0: get an Oscar for?
1: Him and Matt Damon got one for that film that they wrote together, which name escapes
0: me off the top of my head now. Okay, so it's not for his acting? No, I don't think so. Okay, that's fine. But I think maybe Matt Damon got one for acting. Because for me, Ben Affleck is an awful actor. Goodwill Hunting. Did Ben Affleck write that? Him and Matt Damon wrote it, yeah. No way. Matt Damon was fantastic.
1: They basically wrote it to get themselves work because they weren't getting any work so they wrote that together. That is a fantastic film to just write and put together. In. So they both won they both won for best screenplay. And Matt Damon got a nomination for best actor, but he didn't win. No shit. But Matt Damon said when he won his that Oscar, he got home and he was like looking at his Oscar and he was like I'm so glad that I've won this now. Not
0: halfway through my career.
1: So. And not like strived for all of my life to get one. And because he was like, the feeling after you've won, it's sort of anticlimactic in a way. Yeah. And if you're just striving all your life, he was like, I just don't know what it would be like if you were striving all your life to get one and then you finally get one and then you're just sitting there looking at it. It's like, what? sort of, is this yeah, it? Sort of thing. That's it. Um, but I think Kiranuka, I think he's written within a good we haven't heard the new 1975 record. No. Um, um, I think he's winning a good shot of of uh, getting a Mercury Prize. I don't
0: actually... I can't think of anyone else that I would nominate for it right now that has been within this side of the...
1: Yeah, because Idols and all that lot were in the last yeah. round of nominations. Um they might put up the Foles record, maybe?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I well, I think that will, because in my opinion, it is a better album than the first one. And the first one did get nominated, yeah. didn't it? So. I tell you what, maybe Gorillas might get nominated again. They'll probably take it out again, but... Because it seems like they're working towards another new album. Maybe. Which might make it out before yeah. Mercury's.
1: Um... I'm trying to think of what else there is this side of the Mercury.
0: Yeah, but it's it's fairly early days. Um, but Kiwanuka has just—I—I I don't like—I don't know anyone who's listened to him, or I've never had him mentioned to me, and yet he's incredible. Yeah. And you, we—you we, were playing me some of his last album earlier. With his ten-minute epic Intra, like intro, like first song. track, yeah, a cold so little good. heart.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's just, I don't know how it's passed me by, and everyone I've said to to go and listen to it. I, I think, including you, when I first yeah. listened to it, all gave me the same reaction of like, "Oh, really? Oh, I didn't really." And somehow he's so. I only listened to it on the basis of I liked the second track, rolling, because I'd heard that somewhere. And it's got a really nice sort of bass riff groove yeah. going on. And I thought oh, this is kind of cool. Not knowing what the rest of the album would be like. Um, and then I heard him on Adam Buxton's podcast and thought he sounded like a thoroughly nice chap.
0: Which he is. He's which just, really just seems
1: to be like a really nice chap. Um, and he played a couple of his songs off the, off the record on Adam Buxton's podcast, but obviously acoustically. So I thought maybe it would be... A uh, like a, a
0: singer-songwriter.
1: ...an acoustic record. Because that's always how I've perceived Michael Kiwanuka in the past, is that he's just sort of like an... almost like an acoustic singer-songwriter. And I think a lot of people have. Be, which doesn't seem to be the case. He's sort of got these lush string arrangements and this really cinematic tone to his records, which...
0: I think the thing I appreciate most about this album and him as a writer and arranger is the space he puts in his album as well he puts in these really nice little string arrangements brings it all back down and rather than just the classic okay let's just take it back down to Kiwanuka and his guitar it's like let's bring it down to this string arrangement that's actually a rearrangement of what the bass and the guitar were doing at the start of the song and he'll do that with the strings, or then there'll be this new riff with the bass that is actually a hint towards a vocal melody. Like, he'll bring it down, but using a different method than just stripping stuff back. Yes. And it allows breathing space for the song, so he can kind of get away with repeating another chorus, but it feels more epic because he's changed the lead-in.
1: I think also, as well, with this record, is it's... It's so well thought out in terms of track placement yeah. and how he uh, links tracks from one to the next. Um, I mean,
0: there's, a, there's especially a run
1: is it, which is um, on side D of the, of the vinyl, so it's the last four Probably the
0: best tracks. part of the vinyl, if I'm honest.
1: It's the last four tracks, are so Final Days, Interlude, Solid Ground, Lights. They
0: all no. flow into each other. And it it's, from, it's almost like a one long song on its own. Is it the piano bit in the interlude, which then goes into solid ground, that's the really nice bit? Or is it final days into the interlude?
1: There's so the final days into interlude sort of ends ends with a single piano note, um, and it goes into this sort of spoken word uh sample. Yeah. And then the the link from interlude is there's this repetitive Almost yeah. electric piano. It sounds like no. a Rhodes. Yeah, sort of, sort and of. it turns into the, the lead really riff weird. of the... It's sort of slow... The timing sort of slows down.
0: And it does a weird, like, kind of... Almost like it's gently stumbling into solid ground. Yeah. Which is quite, actually, if you want to get really pretentious about it... And we do on yeah. this oh, We do love It's... <laughs> The way uh, the interlude is so free-flowing, the timing's quite squiffy, to say the least. And then suddenly coming onto solid ground, it just solidifies instantly. Yeah. Like, it literally is solid ground when that piano riff just sits into place. And then it runs you through. And then it steamrolls into the light. And it just finishes and this big glow of light just the whole album I think that's why I'd like the whole side D on the vinyl final days interlude solid ground light best combination of songs I've heard on album ages and, and that's not to
1: say that the rest of the album isn't great as well and, it, and, and the rest of the album does have those moments but not quite as sort of cohesively as the last four tracks do the last four tracks just feel like you could release that as, as a four-track EP. EP on its own, and it would be one of the most satisfying and I, I, things I, to listen to.
0: What would be interesting is to see him live, and I would struggle to imagine him not, not doing, doing those songs together in that order.
1: I mean, often I will. I mean, I've listened to this album through quite a few, to, all the way through quite a few times. Mm. But often, if I want a little blast of this album. I will start it from final days and just yeah. listen to the, uh, like the four tracks on their own because they just work so well together.
0: I, I In all fairness, I either put on You Ain't The Problem and Rolling or I go I go for the final four a lot. Sometimes I'll listen to Piano Joint in like the intro going into Piano Joint because I think that's yeah. just not, it's a nice and nice. The recording on that one I really like the actual production. Danger Mouse did a really good job of... feels like an old, dusty bar. It feels really close and... Yeah. It's a little bit claustrophobic, claustrophobic and smoky. I really like that. I mean, Danger Mouse's work across this whole record has been fantastic.
1: Um, something just... Sorry, going back to Final Days. Go back on that. Um just occurred to me that the final days doesn't really have an ending if you don't listen to it with the interlude because it does sort of just cut off um yeah and again if you want to get really pretentious that sort of works with the idea of the song of he's talking about his final days it's a song about death and then really, it just stops and it just stops when you're not yeah, really yeah. expecting it um you're sort of expecting the song to go on and actually have a have an ending.
0: It's the sort of song that could fade out.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't. It just stops. It stops and goes straight into interlude. Mm. Um, But if you took it on its own, just as a song on its own, there's no
0: actual real ending to it. What I like is the fact that it also goes straight into the interlude as well as that kind of... Even once you die, everything carries on. It just stops and then you're onto something else. It's not until you now saying that, I'm now going to go and listen to Final Days differently and kind of be like, ah, yeah, that's over. Like, you're singing about death and then as soon as you've stopped, everyone's kind of stopped thinking about it and we've moved on. Yeah. And, yeah, I like that thought. That's a nice... I hope you did that on purpose. It's quite often that you think into these things that this much. I mean, that
1: is what our podcast is all about.
0: Yeah, is, uh, I've been listening to um, And The Writer Is yeah podcast and they they mention quite a lot that quite often they'll go into depth with something and realise that the songwriter actually didn't intend that at all. It's just a happy accident. Yeah. But maybe that is what makes a lot of these great artists so good is that, that intuition that when it feels right... They subconsciously just, it works. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think this album does feel so well thought through that it's hard to imagine that he didn't think about things like that.
0: Yeah. Um, Especially with, like, the artwork and the general kind of tone of it all. It all matches very well. Because it is definitely, the tone of the album is different from his other stuff. I would definitely say that I've been more attracted to this album because of the album artwork and the really nice, very 60s font styles. Yeah. The interesting thing about the artwork is if you look at the
1: album before this, which is Love and Hate, Yeah, which is the one he got nominated for.
0: It looks a like a device, script album cover.
1: It does. It's got, it's got a, this big heart
0: in the middle. It, it doesn't feel... Which is maybe what put me off listening to it his looks music. It very similar. If I saw that album, like, from, from, like, a glance, it looks like the album, I think it's Ghosts by Coldplay.
1: Yes. Looks yes, very similar to that, right.
0: which would, in all fairness, one of my favourite Coldplay albums, but would actually put me off listening to it.
1: Whereas Kirwanuka has sort of... It's like a painting of him um, in sort of... At, almost dressed like an old African king yeah Um, which I was reading about yesterday and uh, um, that's actually a a response to the fact that so the whole naming of this so it's his third album and he's called it's a self-titled record which
0: usually well it's just his surname which is quite cool
1: yeah Hmm. but usually you know a self-titled record would be your first Album, yeah. Um, but what I was reading about last night is that f- throughout his career, he had people telling him that Michael Kiwanuka was too hard, a, like too difficult a name for people to grasp onto. And so, record labels and management companies wanted him to change his name mm. um, for his music. And then, obviously, um, his second album took off and sort of elevated him to a, to a position where I feel like now he's able to... Just be who he make wants to he, be. Make his own decisions, be who he wants to be a bit more. And so this feels like a res- calling his record Kiwanuka is like a response to that. Um, you know, all those people who told him that he couldn't use his name, now he's putting it in big, bold, 60s font on the front cover of his record. Yeah with a picture of him dressed as an African king.
0: Yeah, because also I don't, like... I, it, like, looking at his older stuff, It's he's not very represented in his look much. He does feel like he's kind of pushed to one side a little. Yeah. I can imagine it, there's been a lot of labels that have tried to get him to songwrite for other people because maybe he doesn't quite have the face or the look yeah. for label... Like solo music and I think you can see if
1: so if you if you have the vinyl, there's a big painting it's like a gatefold, and there's a big painting in the middle of it uh, that goes across both sides that is like a sort of African sunset, mm. so he's really like playing to the his like this African is my roots his H- African heritage and he was actually born in Tufnell Park he's lived in he grew up in Tufnell Park and lived all his life in Tufnell but obviously African parents Mm. and it feels like him really sort of saying like stamping who he is on a record and it's almost a bit of a fuck you to like everyone else who told him that he couldn't be that Um, and still be like a successful like popular artist I've,
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see where this album will take him now. I'm also a little bit worried as a fan now, how long is it going to take for him to do something else? Because that album had some work in it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Dan- I think you can hear Danger Mouse all over this record. And yeah. I think Danger Mouse did produce Love and Hate as well. Yeah. Um, and again you can you can hear that if you listen to Love and Hate it's definitely got Danger Mouse's sound and I feel like Danger Mouse and Inflow are now very much a part of Kiwanuka's sound now I can't see him working with yeah uh, anyone else
0: I actually think Danger Mouse is one of the most exciting producers at the moment like he every time I hear him he's slowly getting better but still, you can still hear him improving. Yeah. He still doesn't necessarily have a set sound. He's not got a sound, he's got a style. Yeah, and you can hear it, you can hear similarities in
1: his work. Like, I think if you listen to, to Kiwanuka and you listen to the way the drums sound and the way the bass guitar and the drums sort of interact to each other, it's quite similar to how. Um, the Black Keys, El Camino record sounds in that way. Yeah. There's similarities in in those sort of things.
0: And I mean, even the difference between... um, What's the one with Titan Up on it? Uh, Brothers. Is it Brothers? It's got Brothers on it. Yeah, no, Brothers is the album name as well, yeah. Like, the jump between that to El Camino... Even that has just a really nice crispness. And now, to be honest, this actually feels like quite a nice jump from El Camino for Danger Mouse's production. Hold on. I didn't know that. What? The Danger Mouse does gorillas. He did the Demon Days, yeah. And the Now Now Plastic Beach and Humans. Or at least worked on side of them. His produced albums, he did Demon Days. I don't think he did.
1: Maybe he played he maybe on played on them. Because obviously he's part of Nels Barkley, isn't he? Yes. With CeeLo Green. Who? CeeLo Green. Here's a tangent for you. Have you been paying attention at all? <laughs> I don't expect you to. No. Um, to a television show on ITV called The Masked Singer.
0: Oh, God. Have you heard of this? Do you know what it is? So I was over at the Amish Arms the other day for a gig. Yeah. And I was ordering a drink with Liv Navy, and, and there was this weird, weird show on the TV in the pub with this massive porcelain doll singing yeah. in front of... Jonathan Ross. Jonathan Ross, Rita Ora. Rita Ora, Devine- Shannon Osborne. Oh, oh Sharon Osborne. So, so Sharon
1: Osborne is not usually a judge.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, usually it's Ken Jeong from the Hangover movies. What? So the judges the judges are Ken Jeong, Ken Jeong, Davina McCall, Rita Ora and Jonathan Ross. Now, to be fair to the judges, they don't actually offer any sort of musical critique. Their role is purely to offer guesses as to who the masked singers are.
0: Yeah. They're like a panel, right? But they're all like Z list singers.
1: Yeah, well, they're not even all singers. Some of them are celebrities. So the first reveal
0: yeah.
1: was see. So now I haven't watched, now, now this is going to make it sound like I've watched every episode. I haven't. I like to tune because I know it's on on a Saturday. Yeah, I like to tune in at the very end just to see who's, who has been revealed.
0: Yeah, that's something that annoyed me, because I was like watching it, and I was like, Evie was told me what the show was. I was like, Oh, well, who's it going to be? And she's like, You don't find out till the end of the show. And I'm like, And
1: only if they get voted off.
0: Yeah. So do you not but, find out who the, all the other people were then? No,
1: because they go on to the next week
0: oh my god yeah
1: so they only reveal one a week which is the most frustrating aspect of the programme right
0: hold on so what do you get
1: for I don't know what the prize is because they're all celebrities so I don't know why you know what the point is really Um, so so the first week (laughs) they unveiled they, they revealed the mask and it was Patsy Palmer from EastEnders what? Yeah. That was the that was the celebrity another mask. On. And so they all how had to pretend it voted that, off. Uh the audience votes because it's not live.
0: People, oh my god. Okay, I'm going to get over the fact that this is something that enough people tune into to actually vote and have it actually No, no, no. no to
1: the people at home don't vote. Because it's not live. Oh, okay. Because I think it's they thought... It's a live audience. It's a live audience in the studio who vote.
0: Okay. Because
1: I think they they sort of knew that pff, no one's going to fucking ring up to vote for this. I don't even know what they put it on, to be honest. Apparently it's based on a Japanese show or something like that. And then they did a version in the States. Um, uh, the, the version of the States, in the States, Donny Osmond won the first series. Who's Donny Osmond? He's a singer. He's an old singer. Um, so, the person revealed in episode one, we'll, we'll get back to Kiwanuka shortly, don't you worry. Um, the, the first person that was revealed was Patsy Palmer from EastEnders. Yeah. And they... They'd also, because they guess ridiculous people as well that are never going to be on it. They're like, oh, I think it sounds a bit like... Madonna. Margot Robbie. And they're like, oh, it's not going to be fucking Margot Robbie, is it? She's got a better thing to do. So Patsy Palmer was... And then they, they'd, they'd take off the helmet and then they all have to act like, oh, my God! Can't believe it was you. It's you. The second episode... was Alan Johnson... The name rings a bell. He's a former Labour Party politician. He mm. served as Home Secretary from June 2009 to May 2010. So not even a year? No. Alan Johnson. And you should have seen, the, the best thing about that was you, you saw Alan Johnson being revealed <laughs> and it cut to Rita Ora, who had guessed, I don't know, Ian McKellen or something. Yeah. and And she just was like, Clearly did not have a clue who this man
0: was.
1: (laughs) And Joel Dommett, the host, had to go, it's Alan Johnson!
0: I'd have still been like, who? Yeah. Um, The third episode
1: was Justin Hawkins from The Darkness. Lead singer of The
0: Darkness. Why is he doing that? Yeah. He was uh, supporting Ed Sheeran at Ipswich. Was he? Yeah. Oh, he, and, and he was doing...
1: A, maybe they had a single out. Apparently they did have a single out around the time, so maybe that's why.
0: Oh, there is better ways to... Um, the darkness already... Also humiliating that you get knocked out episode three when you consider who was, an, who was unveiled in episode four. Hold on, hold on. But do you get voted out for being a bad singer? Is that what they vote you out on? Well, I get... Oh, they, they they pick their favourites, don't they? Oh, so, okay, uh, I, I mean,
1: you. Yeah, I mean, maybe not, Yeah, but... Um, Teddy Sheringham was, was week four. Oh, what, the f- midfielder Football. for Newcastle? It was oh, a striker. Newcastle. No, he was a striker for Manchester United, but close. Who am I thinking of?
0: Midfielder for Newcastle. Are
1: you thinking of Alan
0: Shearer, the striker oh, for Newcastle? Alan Shearer, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking of it. no. He was a middle midfield. No, nah, he wasn't. He was a striker. Yeah, he was midfield. He was a striker, mate. Mate, I had my mate, top
1: trumps at high school. Alan Shearer was a striker. Mate, look it up. I'm looking it up because you know I'm right.
0: <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're not going to be doing a. We're not doing a football podcast because I know nothing. He was a striker.
1: Is that who you're thinking of, though? Yeah. Yeah, he's a striker. Fuck. Um, so... Episode five... Yep. Yeah. Uh, they announced... People have switched off by this point. Uh, um, episode five... Khalees. Khalees. Her milkshake brings all the boys to the yard.
0: Oh, that's so disappointing. I saw her at Latitude... Uh... God, it was... That was... It was 2018, actually. Um... And she was playing, and she was fantastic. Right. She's, like, reimagined a lot of her old songs and is going for this kind of more R&B, janty vibe. And I was like, actually, you're really promising. And now she's on this. Yeah, well, she's not anymore because she got voted off. Uh, In
1: week six, they knocked out two people. That was a bit of a shock. Um, Skin... Is it just because they're trying to end the show as yeah, quick as maybe. they can? Skin from the British rock band Skunk Anansi from
0: the Why? 90s. Skunk Skunk Anansi. Skunk Anansi. Is Why that how you pronounce
1: them? Skunk Anansi are great. Yeah, well, she was. Uh, and then. Oh, jeez. And it... then Jake Shears from the Sister Sisters.
0: I mean.
1: He's got a career, though, like, he doesn't need to be doing that. What Chris?
0: Scissor Sisters disappeared a long
1: time ago. He pops up on things. He was on the one of the Queens of the Stone Age records. Was he? He's on, like, Clockwork. And he was in the Desert Sessions stuff that Josh Homme did. Oh, yeah. Turns out he's mates with Josh Homme and uh, Dave Grohl, so, like, somehow. I don't know how that's happened.
0: And happening. he's on this show for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, he released a solo album in 2018, apparently. Um... And then this week oh no, then and then the week after that was Denise Van Alten. Uh but then this this week, CeeLo Green got voted out. Got voted out. CeeLo Green. Why does he need to be doing it? I mean, it maybe it explains, right? If they got CeeLo Green, how much money have they paid him? Maybe that explains why one of the You know, Some of the other guests were, like, Alan Johnson and Patsy Palmer because they'd, like, run out of money and couldn't afford a proper...
0: How have they got CeeLo... What?
1: So there's three three left, but I think it's the final next week, so I think we'll know who all of them are next week. I'm not going to lie, though, I'm now intrigued. I mean, do you not want to hear CeeLo Green... Dressed up as a big, blue, fluffy monster singing Careless Whisper by George Michael. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. well, there you go. Because yeah. you, you could have watched that.
0: I could have. I mean, you can probably watch it all on Catcher. Well, what a shame that I cancelled my TV licence last week. Eh? Or Jake Shears dressed as a unicorn
1: singing Girls and Boys by
0: Blur. What's happening? To, like... How can we be in a world where we've got Michael Kibanuka making his album and at the same time you've got a show like that? Or is this show somebody who knows lots of people, it has got lots of good contacts? Like Alan Johnson. Yeah. And Patsy Palmer. Now I'm thinking more like Shannon Osborne, CeeLo Green, all of that lot and then was like hey guys do you want to laugh i watched this show over while i was in japan yeah. i think we should just give it a go and it will be an absolute laugh and it will probably flop but also enough people will tune in and find it awful enough that they will actually watch it
1: i mean i've uh, i mean i keep tuning in to find out who's going to be next because i just i find it hilarious that it's
0: even a thing happening. yeah but i mean I don't feel like I can have any standpoint on TV right now because Love Island is popular. And while stuff like Love Island can be popular, I don't understand how TV works.
1: I think, though, that... uh, I'm going to predict it now, Mm -hmm. while we're on this crazy tangent, that Love Island will crash this year. Because they are doing two this year two series so doing one at the Mm, moment that they're calling winter love island yeah but it's exactly the same as regular love island they haven't even changed it to be more winter based it's like it's still the same because they've just taken them to south africa where it's hot and so it's, it's love island right and then they're doing another one at the same time they always do in summer and i think that um Six months of a twelve month year being filled with love Island people are just not gonna get on board. I think this is going to be the year that we see love Island tank a bit like Big Brother did early Big brother people were all into it, and, and then they it, were doing it, and too then much. they did it too too often they would like. Do Celebrity Big Brother straight into Big Brother, and it would just and people got bored. And I think that will be the same this year with Love Island. That is my prediction. Anyway, Michael Kiwanuka. We were talking about Danger Mouse before we got onto oh, that tangent.
0: Sorry, I just have such a hatred to Love Island, and yeah, I just can't help but to go off on one about it. Yeah. But Michael Kiwanuka, what what else is there to say? It's just a fantastic <laughs> album. So, if you tuned in to this podcast <laughs> to hear our thoughts on Michael Kiwanuka,
1: you've had basically us talk about Michael Kiwanuka's record for all of five minutes before I basically ran you through the plot of the Masked Singer. Yeah,
0: pretty. but don't
1: worry, I'm sure we will be talking about it again when the final has happened, and I can talk about the three other people that have been
0: unveiled. Yeah, keep listening to stay updated and not have to put any of your time or money it's into it. It's a public service. It. It's a public service. I am
1: watching it so
0: you don't have to. I
1: appreciate it. Yeah. I haven't watched it and I don't plan on it. But now you feel like you're engaged in the fun
0: of it. Yeah. yeah. I want to tune in next week for this. No, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tune in next week for this. So oh, right, I can yes. exactly. that then listen exactly. to us talk yeah. about it. Um, um, no, seriously though. Michael Kuanuka... <laughs> It's a fantastic album. My only qualm... Oh, qualms. It is... It's not new. It's a bit done. Well, it's very... I think... um, I'm not saying that all music has... Like, obviously, you've got, like, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. Sure. It's a fantastic album. But it's a nostalgia album. Yeah, and that's what this is. And there's only... There's only so much I feel like I can love a nostalgia album. I think I'm a very... When it comes to my taste in music, I like things that I haven't heard before. You like
1: innovation?
0: Yeah, I like pushing the boundaries. This is
1: very, like, built... Um, when I was watching... I'm um, watching it. I was listening to it over Christmas with my father because I bought him the record. And he hadn't heard it before, but I just... He, I you knew, knew he, he would like I it I knew he would like it and he said it's it's kind of it's it is very sort of Bill Withers Curtis Mayfield it's that sort
0: of sound I know this is a bit controversial the way controversial. He sings. go on if this was released five years ago back when CDs were more popular this would have been a fantastic Tesco's Asda album <laughs> what
1: does that even mean
0: <laughs> you would have it it would be bought predominantly by, by mums and dads yeah who were in asda or tesco's and like but i feel like bought- that's
1: such a slight on this record
0: you saying that is such
1: like a such an insult
0: <laughs> you know what but I mean? it's kind of true like because it's it's very good and it's amazing at being what it is but at the end of the day that kind of nostalgia thing does sit on the shelf with the greatest hits of the beatles in an as does cds but do
1: you think that's true now though um because i don't think that's true now i think maybe you're right maybe like when cd was a thing i think probably more than five years ago probably like 10 years ago right now, you see, I
0: think this is where it changes and it actually... This is where playlists then get involved because actually now, trying to think of where I would put this in an online marketplace, Michael Kiwanuka could market this perfectly by making a playlist of all of the styles that this album that is so obviously inspired by and actually have that promoted... By the said artists, and then all of a sudden, you're getting the nostalgia along with Michael Kiranuka. It, in a way, nostalgia works really well with Spotify. I mean, they've done a whole advertisement campaign with it. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, people are listening to cassettes again. It's like it's the 90s. Or just follow one 90s playlist on Spotify. Right. Like maybe now is actually the best time for these sorts of albums.
1: Well, I think, especially with. With vinyl having such a comeback, this mm. feels like such a vinyl record as well that you you would put it on and listen to it as one complete thing. Yeah. And I think maybe you're right in the sense of... So I think when you say that this is a, an album that you would have... Like, 10 years ago, you would have found that Sainsbury's and your mums and dads would have been buying it. Yeah. I think it feels like an insult because that's what you're saying... Um,
0: but Amy Winehouse did that album
1: yeah but but what I but what I think I think what you're saying there is true but I don't think that that means that that is what this album was meant for is or is meant for and I think actually it coming out now is perfect because there's such a um hunger for that sort of nostalgic Feel
0: amongst people of our age. In all fairness, is an album to be, like, timeless and successful, does it actually need to be an Astor selling album? I think we need to get away from the ASTA thing. <laughs> but you think of a lot of the kind of timeless, great albums, like, I'm going to say Amy Winehouse again, but a lot of, like, kind of... Um, blurs albums a lot of oasis albums i think
1: it needs to see i think you're using the analogy of asda and sainsbury's selling albums as uh the old-fashioned way of the music industry a bit. i think you're using that as instead of saying like a nostalgic album Is a little that what... bit a little bit because, because I think what those albums have in common, like what this album has in common with the Amy Einhouse record, um, is that feeling of familiarity yet done now. You know what I mean? There's something familiar to it that creates that sort of warm feeling of you sort of feel like you're at home almost.
0: I mean, everyone. A lot of people are doing it in pop now. Dua Lipa, yeah. Mark uh, Mark Ronson, yeah. I mean, Mark Ronson's made a career off. Yeah, Bruno Mars, very much so. Not so much with 24 Carat, but more so with Uptown Funk. Yeah. But again, Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson. Um.
1: Oh, and that Daft Punk record, "Random yeah. Access Memories," was was a disco fest,
0: wasn't it? Yeah. I just think... I mean, it comes around all the time, doesn't it? But I do think, for me, it's a little bit... a little bit of a deterrent with this album. I think it's one thing that would hold it back from winning a Mercury Prize for me. What, did it feels so
1: very much uh, a nostalgia record? A nostalgia... I think... Do you think Michael Kiwanook is putting enough of his own stamp on that genre or do you feel like he is just sort of doing the genre?
0: Now, you see, compared to a band like Black Pumas, which I would put in a similar vein, he's got more of his own stamp than them. Yeah. But even, it's it's a really fine, and I, I haven't come into a decision yet, on it, But, like, obviously with Amy Winehouse, she perfected that style for Back and Black. And it was almost like a, a greatest hits of all of the tools used in that genre. I think the question is, has Michael Kuanuka released an album that is like a greatest hits of all of the skills and tools from that genre? Or, or has he just kind of carbon copied it And And you haven't come to a conclusion on that? No, not not really. I think I'm erring slightly more on the side of it's a little bit of a carbon copy. I think the main thing that holds it together is the fact that it gels so well as an album. And on the surface it gels really well as an album, but actually... On multiple listens, it's just an easy listening album. I don't think there's the depth that is needed. I mean, I want to say there's not the depth that's needed to win a Mercury Prize, but then Dave won a Mercury Prize, so. But do <laughs> you get well, what well, I mean? Well, Visions of a Life, the Wolf Ice record, won a Mercury Prize. I know. Like, I,
1: do you get what I mean? Like, I. It, I get what you mean, but I don't necessarily. Uh, I think um, I think where we can differ sometimes on, on music is I think you, you said you said there on repeat listens it sort of becomes like an easy listening record
0: yeah which I know for you it becomes it a bit boring
1: it, it's like a bad thing whereas I don't necessarily look at that as a as a bad thing. And I wouldn't want my whole music collection to be no. easy listening records, right? But but I don't necessarily see that as a negative. I the the fact that I can put this on True. and listen to it all the way through several times and I'm not getting but then you You're are not getting, having to make the argument. For it. I'm not having to necessarily because um we're gonna be talking about swans in the next podcast
0: and that's almost to the be opposite kind.
1: and that's almost the opposite to the extent where and we'll probably talk about this is where i struggle with it um yeah i, I can appreciate it i can appreciate why it's considered to be as good as as it is and i can i can see mm. why it is a, a like a brilliant piece of work but i do w- will i listen to it again having listened to it for the podcast only if i'm i'll only really listen to it again o- only if i'm really in the mood and in a particular headspace whereas this record i feel like i could put on any time and enjoy it but i feel like with you sometimes is it i feel like you almost want to have to work sometimes yeah. when yeah in a way i stuff.
0: kind of get what you mean like i would This is an album that if I had mates over and we wanted to put on music, I would put on this album. It would be a very instinctual album to put on.
1: It is dinner party record material in that respect.
0: Which I must admit, I am not good at. I remember having a bath recently and my partner asked me to put on some relaxing music and I tried putting on some Go Go Penguin, which is quite, to me, relaxing, minimal jazz stuff to her, was not relaxing. Yeah. At which point I was like, well, I'll put on portico quartet. <laughs> and and for some odd reason, I'd got in my mind that anything that was just more jazz and stripped back was relaxing. Yeah. Whether that be Mammal Hands or Hidden Orchestra. I was putting on all of these artists and my partner was just like, George, none of this is relaxing. You have to think to listen to this. I'm like... No, you don't. I don't. But I've listened to the albums about 20 times, so that's probably why. And I, I, yeah. I'm not good at relaxing. And then I kind of looked through my my collection of music on Spotify. I was like, there is not... The only relaxing album I can think of on, other than this is Bombay Bicycle Club's acoustic album, Floors. I do not listen to relaxing music ever.
1: And I uh, I think that's where you're getting stuck on this record a little bit. Because I
0: do really like it, but I automatically pick flaws in something that I almost find too easy to listen to. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which I don't, like... Because, like, it, it, are you the same with when you watch films? Yeah. Be- because I would rather watch a film that I feel like I have to sort of think about and engage with, right? But equally, I don't always want to watch that. Sometimes I just want to watch something easy.
0: What counts as an easy film? I like Pixar films a lot and Disney films.
1: Yeah, so maybe it is just music with you, then.
0: Maybe it is, but then I, like...
1: I mean... Do you think that's because you are a musician? So you're always thinking of... Like, because I find it difficult watching films sometimes to turn my brain off and not see edits and not see weird cameras. Like, I can't... There are certain... Um, what will we watch? That, that Sometimes we'll be watching stuff, stuff... I'll be watching stuff with other people that there'll be... like It's usually television, actually. Television really bothers me at the moment, especially sort of BBC drama stuff really bothers me uh in the way that it's made at times and we'll be watching something and everyone else will sort of be enjoying it fine and i will just not be able to not notice like yeah problems with the way dialogue is written or yeah lighting or you know um and i don't know if that's like you with music it's you have to oh you definitely. feel like you always have to be sort of
0: yeah and since you and me have started discussing more about kind of screenwriting and with doing our music video that we made recently i've i've started finding it hard again to actually enjoy normal films and tv in the same way as i did because i analyze it in that way of like well why would you do that edit or why have you chosen that colour for the lighting? Like why can you use different gels? And yeah, like you then get into that when other people are sat there, like oh that was really nice, wasn't it? And it was like, well no, there's so much yeah. that could be done differently. I mean it's the same for live performances for me. Like, I could go watch some, I could go watch someone really good, like Rolling Stones, but if I think there's too much space between each song. Mm. I will just not enjoy it. I mean, this is why I would love to go see Michael Kiwanuka live, because I want to see if the visuals of this album and the sound of the album will translate live. Because I almost want to see him come out dressed as an African king. (laughs) I almost want it to go to that extent. I'm a bit worried that him live almost would just be another singer big band coming on stage i mean i
1: think he would be um from the point of view of um being a live musician and singer i think he would be incredible in that respect like i think you'd be able to play like very very well i don't think you'd come away from it going he wasn't very good but i can see what you mean about you you want it to
0: be sort of an all-encompassing live show yeah. A bit more. Because, like, for me, if you've got to this level, I know you can perform. And to be honest, if I want to go see a good live performance, technically and musically, I could just go to a local bar. There's a lot okay, of local very dance good bands. Bar, yeah. There's a lot, like, small yeah. bands that are very tight. It is the stuff that you see Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Childish Cambino, Bombay Bicycle Club, all of these people, it's the actual show. It's the tying it all together and making it look and match. Even with Foles' latest tour, having like plants hanging around the stage and stuff yeah. for their bigger shows that actually pulls you into this world, makes you want to invest in the marketing and the branding.
1: Do you think there's an argument,
0: though, just, like,
1: just sometimes it can be enough just to see someone play really well? Yeah. Because I think, like, you go and see a band like Queens of the Stone Age, and they don't particularly do a lot with the set and the
0: lighting, etc. But they're not making albums like this. Okay, I see what you mean. This is a world... Like, you listen to this record, it's a whole world. It has a vibe. It Like, you hear this album, I don't... Maybe it's just me, but I see... I, and he does it with the music, especially for the music video with the screen and stuff. Yeah. He does a good job of making a world that fits my... It's like reading the Harry Potter books and then them making the film, it fits. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. The words... The music fit that dusty style. I just hope that he does that live, because for me the album is so integral to that image. Yeah. I mean, on that note, I think <laughs> we kind of any, covered. Any what concluding we can... thoughts? Any concluding thoughts? Because I'm starting to think you don't like the record. <laughs> I really. Like, I liked... With this podcast, I do like to try and find what I like and don't like about it. And I do really... Overall, I really like this record. I mean, I think as a general
1: rule, if you're listening to this podcast, I think if we've picked a record for... It's because, generally, it's because we like it. Yeah. I don't think we're really...
0: Yeah, we're not (sighs) going to pick something that we can't bear listening to. We're not going to pick the script yeah it's just not gonna happen we're only gonna and also it is it's an important album to the history of music at least for twenty 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 nineteen like it it's had an impact
1: oh yeah totally and i think um i think you'll probably i think this will spark and not that there wasn't other albums that sort of sound like this but I think this will especially people will be wanting that Danger Mouse vibe on their tracks and you hear it on the Black Pumas record which I think came out slightly after and it probably isn't influenced by Kim and Brittany
0: Howard who came out recently as well from Alabama Shakes yeah it's got that similar vibe
1: I think you're gonna hear this sort of sound it's it's sort of back
0: And I tell you what is actually potentially... Because it's got a very Americana vibes. Mm. And I tell you what's going to push that even more, Brexit. And not that I want to get political on this, but there is definitely going to be a slight shift to British music going a bit more American, Americana due to visas and potential touring difficulties. I think it's a potential... And just to keep an eye out of, just for just out of pure curiosity's sake, that potentially we might go down this slightly more American route just because of costs of visas and complications with touring now that British artists aren't part of Europe anymore. It's something to be aware of. Yeah. Just keep in mind.
1: Yeah, it will be and interesting also, to yeah. see,
0: actually, if, if that
1: whole... Um, well, I mean, and we we've we've sort of heard it actually. The it'd be interesting to see what the response is to things like Brexit and Trump, and we've already started hearing the
0: idols, it in, Fontaines DC.
1: We've already started hearing English. it in records, uh, and you hear it in the Foles record. There's a lot. It yeah, feels like there's a lot of references towards that. Um, and it's interesting as well if you're an artist where you position yourself on that, because obviously. I think I would tend to imagine and this is a bit of a generalisation and don't anyone get angry at me for this but I would tend to imagine that um, the sort of liberal music community Mm. it's going to be more on the side of uh, Remain etc yeah I'm sure there are plenty of bands and artists out there who who would have voted leave etc so I'm not but um, it's interest. It would be interesting to see where those artists then who may lean slightly more liberal, how uh, much they will put that into their music, for fear of alienating a yeah. core of fans. Which is something that we'll probably be talking about when we talk about uh, the documentary. With Taylor Swift. With the Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana, yeah. because that theme comes up a lot, and I just wonder how much of that will play into music over the next couple of years.
0: I think something that would also be really interesting to talk about at some point is K-pop. Yes. Because I have a slight little theory in my mind that for the first time in God knows how long, well, kind of ever since recorded music has been a thing and I'm saying recorded not since sheet music, recorded yeah. since distribution's sake, that pop might not be American or British anymore. We might not be the kings of pop. I think soon it will be K-pop, J-pop. I think they have... We've created a market of pop music which churns this stuff out like it's a business but well, it is a business but yeah,
1: like a machine
0: and we've now strayed away from that due to our political interaction and now with people like Billie Eilish Licky Lee even Hayley Williams a little bit all of these artists are being a lot more political and is stopping the machine from churning and now all of a sudden you've got K-pop the almost even more streamlined than what our pop machine yeah. ever was I they think are churning out hits they're on the tiktok machine and they're and completely
1: apolitical yeah there's no politics involved and i think as artists become more political which is inevitable in america and here yeah at the moment yeah i think you're right i mean think you know
0: and it's going to be interesting though because this is the only other like the only other time pop music has been more key in a different country other than Britain or America was back into sheet music where it was more of an, a European yeah. pop, if you can call classical music a pop of the times. So that will be an interesting thing to talk about next time. Yes. At some point. Wow. So thank
1: you for joining us once again for another rambled filled episode of getting pretentious if you like what you hear then please do subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast app follow us on all our social media that linked in the description of this podcast and join us next week when you will hear us talk about george
0: swans to be kind thank you very much and see you next time Bye.